Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in WWE once again as we inch closer to SummerSlam going down in a few weeks' time from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right hand, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, back on the show, on the free feed, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. Thank you, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. I'm excited to have this kind of state of the union for the champions. You know, it's something that we kind of talk about on and off throughout the champions as we talk about different areas. But I think it's something that we should kind of discuss full on and, you know, talk about that that almost hour long bloodline segment. We got a lot to talk about this week. (laughs) It did go for a very long time, that bloodline segment. In fact, I left the house a little before SmackDown came on on Friday. I came back home and halfway through the show, I caught up via my DVR. So that tells me I did not miss much because the bloodline segment ate up half of the show, but I'm not complaining about it. No, it was good. I know. I will say, I think it probably went about five, 10 minutes, maybe too long. I think they could have cut out a little bit of the pauses a little bit too much. And I don't know if maybe that was, they weren't sure where they wanted to go. If they wanted to let the crowd build a little bit, the segment wasn't bad by any stretch. Like it was good TV, regardless of how you look at it, but you could have cut out five, 10 minutes. I wouldn't have been mad at it, but it's good TV, man. You know, for WWE, especially like from some of the garbage that we've seen, this is, this is really good for what we've got. And the bloodline is still going strong. Absolutely. This is the this is WWE's best storyline. It pulls the biggest numbers on SmackDown in particular. This is the one angle that is a legit ratings draw for Fox every Friday, leading the ratings race pretty strongly this summer on their network. And I'm expecting pretty high numbers when the numbers come out later today. First segment, 40 plus minutes, this might cross 3 million viewers. And if it's hot, it's hot. You push it. It was a sold out MSG the most revenue a SmackDown show has ever drawn. So this angle and the promotion as a whole is very hot right now. If you got an angle, that is probably the best WWE has done since Austin and McMahon back in 97 through 99. That tells you everything you need to know about how great the Bloodline storyline is in WWE. 
Well, also considering we're only in like the sixth ending, you know, we got we got some time left to go. Um, you know, this is this is really good from what we've gotten so far. Uh, I think the the big moments we've gotten, they've worked really well. I think this is another one that works really well. Uh, it took a while to get there, but when we got there, I felt like it was worth the wait. Now, pause. Now, I caught what you did. Now, see, last week on this show, we both admitted that we are now in the seventh inning. How do we back up into the sixth inning now? Because let me tell you, we had to backtrack because they had to they had to they had to go back a second and make sure that that was actually a foul ball. They had to do the instant replay <laughs> just to make oh sure they God. they did that that video package that was them doing the instant replay to make sure that everything was right where it's supposed to be. So then once we did that, then we got to the seventh inning. That's why I said we got to the sixth inning. They had to do that instant replay, double check. I can't stand you. <laughs> I cannot stand you trying to use the replay of the evidence to suggest, are we really in the seventh inning now? Are we really in that seventh inning stretch? And then you backtracked and now you're trying to say, are we in the seventh inning officially now? Are we halfway home? Listen, Jey Uso did it. I sh- listen. I was certainly not expecting them to pull out a exhibit A video package when he started that. So once he did that, I was like, hold on. Maybe we're not in the seventh inning yet. Let's go back to the end of the the bottom of the sixth. But no, we're clearly in the seventh inning. Um, great beatdown, great hook, and I think we have our SummerSlam main event pretty much set. Yes, we do. We'll get to the SmackDown angle momentarily, which was basically the highlight of Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. But before we get into all things WWE and our state of the title address, I want to also note that for this month, for those who have not tried the Patreon, there's some free content on patreon.com backslash Media. You get to sample some free shows on the feed, including the Dynamite show that dropped this past Wednesday involving Paul Fontaine and Jeff Hawkins. So check that show out and a lot of other shows that are available for free this month via patreon.com backslash Fight Game Media. Check out all the free goodies available to you this month on our Plus website that gives you all the content you need for $5 a month. If you choose to drop that extra little change in the tip jar to support us and our members of the Fight Game Media Network family as we dive into all things WWE right now, starting with Monday Night Raw going down this past Monday on the USA Network. It was a day before the 4th of July, and normally that is going to be a tough ratings draw, but Raw was pretty stable most of the way through. But I have to single out quite possibly one of the better television matches of the year involving Rhea Ripley, the women's world champion versus Natalia. And I have been on Natalia a lot over the years. She's a very good wrestler, but she has a very one dimensional personality. And sometimes I can drag down her feuds a bit, but I have to say on this particular Monday night, Rhea Ripley and Natalia had by far the best match on the show. And dare I say, Natalia, outside of her matches with Charlotte Flair, had the best match of her career because it was a bruising, violent battle. They took shots, they delivered hits, and it was a physical showcase on display that woke up the crowd during the third hour. And I just thought that this was an outstanding women's world championship match to set the tone for Rhea's reign so far. You know, these are the type of matches that Rhea is going to need 
to make sure that they they establish her as the dominant wrestling force. Like we know who she is as the presence Rhea Ripley as, you know, that outside dominant force that at any point in time, can just take out any competitor, male or female, whoever she, whoever he or she is, but it's important to have the physicality, those type of matches, uh, defending her title, you know, in, in the trenches to make sure that people know, like, you know, she can she can do her thing too. Like she is that dominant force, and whenever she wants, she can take the reins and run Judgment Day. So, um, and Natalia Natalia's been doing this for close to two decades at this point, if we're being honest about it. So, if not more than two decades, she probably has been doing it for two decades at this point. So, um, like this is this is the type of match to establish the women's division and establish Rhea Ripley as this dominant force going forward. Absolutely. And it was a great showcase for Rhea Ripley in the best possible way. And Natalia was right there with her. I know that she got beat down in the prior championship matches and made her look like a weak challenger, but she was able to get her look back by attacking Rhea from behind, setting the tone and being very physical. We had Rhea with a busted mouth midway through this match, adding a bit of color and excitement. And the sharpshooter was cinched in extra tight during this match. But Rhea Ripley ultimately hit the riptide to retain the championship. And I thought this was a really strong championship match. And Natalia was with her every step of the way. And yes, she's broken many Guinness book of world records regarding her tenure and WWE most wins, most matches in the division and just a plethora of other accolades that she can hang her hat on. But I think this performance on Monday night might've been a finest today. And we've seen her against Charlotte Flair on NXT and on PLEs. But to me, in terms of just having that signature match, it happened this past Monday against Rhea Ripley. You know, I, I think some of her best work is probably, for me personally, is against Becky Lynch. Um, you know, I think she's done some real, she has that submission work she can do with Becky. I think they work real well. Uh, but, you know, Natalia is somebody who does her job. And whenever she's called upon, she answers the bell. Like, let's, if, like, whenever she's called upon to be in a pay per view match, be in a TV match, she does what she's supposed to do. She puts over whoever she's supposed to put over, and they look good by the end of the match. They look like they're a problem by the end of the match, like they're supposed to. So, um, Natalia absolutely has a job for life. If, you know, it's just because she knows what the job is, she does the job, and she does it well. Yeah, got to give her credit for that always. So much respect to Natalia for putting in some great work this past Monday against Rhea Ripley. And also speaking of somebody that understands the assignment, even though she's not a topic of discussion, I got to shout out one Maxine Dupree for Absolutely. character work because her character work with the Alpha Academy has been outstanding. At first, I was wondering, hmm, Otis and Maxine and Chad Gable, how's it going to work? But WWE took a pivot and they turned them baby faces and they had Maxine and Chad Gable come to an understanding to get along. And this trio has been awesome. And Maxine in particular has really soaked things up like a sponge, has got the character down. And dare I say, quite possibly someday very soon, she might get it together in the ring. And we've seen glimmers of that against whatever her name is on the main roster, Sarah Logan. <laughs> Yo, stop. <laughs> Listen, leave, leave, leave Yellow Jackets alone, okay? <laughs> leave Yellow Jackets alone, all right? And while you're on Maxine Dupree, let me just say this. 
I will say this. I've never seen, maybe besides Tyler Bate when it comes to wrestling, Gunther, I've never seen someone get a bigger pop off of doing a basic suplex mm-hmm. than I saw Maxine get <laughs> from hitting that suplex. And it was a good suplex. Good suplex. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She's And listen, this is what having the video the backstage skits do her working on doing that arm drag doing the wrestling moves like these are things that the the audience has seen her work on weekly we've seen chad gable put the work in with her weekly so to see it pay off there's there's a kind of like hey we we've seen her start from the beginning and now she's doing these suplexes and let's give her credit She's playing to the crowd well. The crowd is fully invested in this. And Otis is telling her to do the the freaking worm in the middle of the match. He's like, hit it. Do it, Maxine. Do it. Like, come on, man. Like, come on. This is, they are by far one of the most fun babyface teams that they have going because they're organic. They've been able to take somebody who was in a pretty much dead to rights group with, I, uh, Dupree and and the other two guys, Mason, whatever, <laughs> and now she's in arguably one of the most fun babyface groups on the roster. So, uh, shout out to her for being able to adjust on the fly, make things work, and just the crowd is is they're fully embracing Alpha Academy. Our dreams have come true. We begged for this. We begged for this baby face run for them. It's happening. And Maxine Dupree has been a great addition to this crew. I just love her commitment to her character and her work ethic in the ring. And you can see it in Valhalla. I got your name, girl. I forgot what your name was because you're not using Sarah Logan on the main <laughs> roster. So I forgot who you were. My bad. My apologies. Charged my head, not my heart. <laughs> but She's doing her thing as well. So I appreciate Maxine Dupree and Alpha Academy. And I just thought about this, Scott. So basically, Alpha Academy is Chase U with a bigger budget. Well, listen, after the events that happened in NXT, I don't know, we'll get to it. They might they might need to go ahead and recruit a couple of two more genetic freaks to their roster. Mm-hmm. I saw that as well. And I am all for that now that would be a beast faction we'll get to that shortly but yeah shout out to maxine dupree and the entire afro academy for being incredibly entertaining on monday nights and maxine i am going to say it right now she is going to be a star in wwe i fully believe that i love someone that commits to character to get the personality over and when you get that over and your entering work gets together she's gonna be a force to be reckoned with so let me let me ask you this because there is one thing to have the character work over, and I think she's done the job, and I think she I think she'll get that. I don't think that's a question. Do you think she'll be able to get the in ring in ring part of it? Because that's not something that everybody just picks up and gets. You know what I mean? Some people just don't get it. Do you think she's going to be one of those that is able to really get it and run with it? I think so because they haven't rushed her in the ring. Because she debuted on 2.0 and she was basically staring down Vod Wagner for a lot of the time she was on NXT. (laughs) (laughs) She was given the lusty eyes. So she didn't do anything in the ring. So she wasn't ready. But I think that with more practice behind the scenes and working on the main roster, it will prepare her to be in the ring more often. And I think that would be the key to her success because they didn't rush her unlike some people on NXT. Thank God. 
No, I, I think I think that's a really good point. And even the stuff they are doing with her in the ring, it's not a lot. It's it's an arm drag here. It's a suplex there. You know, we'll eventually. I'm sure she, her first singles match she'll probably lose because it'll be her first singles match. Like, but I, I agree with you. I think they've done a good job of really slow burning her into. Hey, look, she can, you know, she learned an arm drag. She did an arm drag. She learned a suplex. She did that. So I think that's a really good point you brought up about how they've brought her into it. Very smart. And that is high praise. Very smart strategy to ease her into the entering stuff. And when the time comes for her to do a full length match, she'll be more ready for it. So I just have full confidence that what she's picked up so far is going to definitely help her long term. And I do see star potential in her due to her being able to ease her way into the process of the main roster and being around people like Chad Gable and Otis who are just great at this professional wrestling stuff, two charismatic guys that can get her over as a personality and eventually as an in-ring performer as well. So this has been a win for WWE Alpha Academy being over as baby faces and Maxine getting some shine as well. As we move on to the main event of Monday Night Raw, which was Seth Rollins, our world heavyweight champion versus one Dominic Mysterio. Let's cut right to the chase. It was an all right match. Dom gets good heat going for frog splashes on Seth Rollins. Rollins gets the knees up for the third attempt on a frog splash. And he has the match one until we get some chicanery courtesy of Finn Balor. And then we have Damian Priest trying to do a cash in on Seth Rollins. And then Finn Balor is going to interrupt that, cause Priest a shot at the championship. And Seth runs away from the scene, not before pedigreeing. Dominic Mysterio for good measure and walking away from the scene. And then we have Rhea Ripley holding her guy, Dom Dom, and looking at Finn Balor and Damian Priest wondering what's going on with my guys constantly getting into it as of late, adding this tension and friction to Judgment Day, which has been bubbling and building for the last few weeks now. So we can presume very soon something is going to happen. Somebody is going to turn. I presume it will be Damian Priest being the baby face and Finn Balor doing the turn on his partner, which could lead to something down the road, maybe at SummerSlam or the next few pay-per-views down the road. But we do sense trouble in paradise for Judgment Day as we expected post Money in the Bank. Yeah, I um, and also real quick, I uh, make sure you guys check out the Mike and JD show where JD was forced to watch WWE a full three <laughs> hours of Monday Night Raw, thanks to yours truly, because I I picked Jey Uso pinning Roman Reigns. So you're welcome, everyone, and you're welcome, everyone, on the Mike and JD show, all your listeners. So make sure you guys check that out. I had a quick cameo on that show, just to rub it in the wound a little bit. But uh, speaking of that, he brought up a good point about this in particular how, you know, kind of the WWE does this, you know, kind of how they had uh, uh, Dominic Mysterio looking up at Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley was looking up at Damian Priest, kind of how those are the two guys who looked out for each other and who looked out for the other person. And I'm just not ready for them to get broken up yet. You know, it looks like that's the story they're building to. You have a a built-in match with Damian Priest versus Finn Balor. Uh, at SummerSlam, which I think could absolutely happen if they wanted to go that route, I hope they don't. But let's 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 be let's keep it one hundred. If they do, Finn Balor has a ready-made Judgment Day whenever he wants. He can add JD McDonough. He can add Shotzi Blackheart. I think she's somebody who could fit right into a Judgment Day type faction with the Finn Balor. 
and that would work really well. So he has options at his disposal. He still would need a heavy. I think Dabakato would fit that role really well. I think he's somebody who is, I don't really see him as a singles guy, but as a heavy, I think he would work really well beside a Finn Balor. So if they wanted to go Judgment Day 2.0, I think that's sitting there right there if they want it whenever they want. But, you know, I, I'm not really a fan of this decision just yet. I feel like there's a lot of mileage you can get out of Damian Priest holding that briefcase with a full, you know, fully intact Judgment Day that's fully cohesive and not kind of at, at its odds and ends. Yeah. I don't want it to end either. Right now, I want it to kind of stick around because they're such a fun faction and I love the social media game they have going on. They're so creative and I don't want that to be ruined via the storyline, which is good because it is teasing tension for down the road. But let's save it for a cash in because Damian Priest has his options at multiple championships in WWE since the briefcase is very flexible these days. So we'll see how it goes. But as you said, Finn has options. He can add JD McDonough. He can add a heavy. He can really enhance Judgment Day from months down the road. But it has to make sense at the end of the day. And that's, and that's going to lead to the slow build of whatever's going to happen between Damian Priest and the months to come. It's got to come down to when he cashes in and it has to be a cash in, not a tease and what role Finn plays into that at the end of the day as well. Yeah. And, and I think that's what kind of bothered me is that Finn Balor essentially ruined the cash in. it was clear he ruined the cash in. Like, it wasn't like an accident type thing. Like it's it's clear he ran in there with an with an agenda. And you know, I don't know. I feel like they've done such a good job of establishing them four as having this cohesiveness where it doesn't matter who gets the win or who gets the, you know, who gets the the head name, you know, whose name is at the top of the chart. It doesn't matter as long as it's judgment day. I feel like they've done a good job of establishing that where you know, in this last couple of weeks, it's like, yeah, Finn Balor is now out for himself. I, you know, that maybe, maybe it's just me kind of nitpicking, but I feel like they've done too good of a job establishing that it's about the group more so than even with Rhea Ripley, like even Rhea Ripley, who has been arguably the most popular babyface in, in women's, in the women's division, even with Bianca Belair, she hasn't really taken the reins like she could have. It's always been about the group. So you know, to me, it just feels like this is kind of com- coming out of nowhere with Finn Balor, you know, sabotaging everything instead of because Dominic Mysterio was even like, yo, go do your thing. Go cash in. Rhea Rip was like, yo, go do your thing. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me nitpicking or maybe that's just me reading the tea leaves of where they want to go with Finn Balor being the jealous guy coming around. But I feel like they could have done a better job or they could just keep this going with Damian Priest holding this briefcase because essentially they have a year to figure out what they want to do with him and the briefcase. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 
What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, your train of thought is very accurate. You're not wrong. And I'm going to be kind of brazen to say in the following that what Finn is doing right now is screaming classic bullet club vibes from New Japan way back when, when the faction was hot, when the leader is incredibly insecure and you got to make a move by kicking somebody out eventually. And that's the vibes I'm getting of a leader that is wondering, hmm, I'm losing a bit of focus here. I'm not doing what I need to do in terms of winning matches for myself to make my team stand out. But this other guy here could be the alpha in this crew and Damian Priest have Rhea Ripley who could be the alpha in our group as well. And they're doing well and I'm here kind of suffering in in terms of not getting the job done in terms of W's and that might lead to him trying to fracture things in order to rebuild this crew and his image that he sees fit and to me that might be a good storyline in history leans into that due to his history of being in prolific factions in professional wrestling man I I I think that's a that's a great call right there Akilah that's a great call back as well to just as history and whatnot. So let me let me kind of put you on the spot here. I kind of gave my judgment day faction. I know JD McDonough is kind of a shoe in. We saw them. We've seen the history with them. We've seen them talking backstage. Who do you think would fill out his judgment day 2.0? Hmm. That's a good question. So I'm gonna say Finn, obviously. Right. Uh Rhea stays as well. Dom Dom gets to stay in the crew. I would add JD McDonough. And for someone else in the crew, I would add Bronson Reed as the heavy. You know what? That's a hell of a heavy. And let me let me ask you this before you continue about why you added Bronson. And and, because you you bring up a good point about keeping Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. Do you think if Finn Balor turns on Damian Priest? that Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio stay with Finn Balor when Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio to an extent has really been a little brother to Damian Priest. They have a, a Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest have a friendship. Like, do you, do you keep them with Finn Balor or do they just kind of go their separate ways and stay out of it? Ooh, that's tricky too, because I think the WWE wants Rhea to be a baby face at some point. Right. And that right. might facilitate the breakup in a better way to just kind of ease her out of the crew. So I would say if it came down to it, I would say if you're trying to get Rhea over as a baby face and the fans chant mommy towards her, then that's how you do it. You have Damian Priest get kicked out the group and she chooses. Damian Priest, but they don't form a new group. They just go their separate ways. And Dominic would do the same. But he will not be a baby face. He might have to align with somebody else because that ain't going to happen. Like at some point, Rhea is going to dump Dominic and she's going to get a monstrous pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's going to riptide Dominic for, and just slam that man. 
<laughs> and just and just power bomb that man with that with that full Nelson slam or whatever, uh, or that half Nelson slam and just power and just and just put him through the mat. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, no, I think that's I think that's a good call. I'm just I'm curious to see how that all goes because they've done a good job with the Judgment Day. You know, it's a group, and you've talked about it multiple times that we've we've bagged on, but we've also praised, and they've done a good job of establishing the relationships that they all have. Um, just kind of this cohesive. And that's why I brought up the fact that to me, it just seems like it's coming out of nowhere with Finn Balor being like, yo, it's all about me. But then you brought up a good point about his history. So I think this whole thing is really well done. So I am looking forward to see where they go with it and what they do with Dominic and Rhea in particular, as far as the allegiances and where they lie. That's the beauty of the storyline. It might feel a little out of place. It feels a little random, but you can go in a number of directions, which is going to make this very cool in terms of the fallout down the road. So I think in terms of factions in WWE and how they tell these stories, they're nailing it as of late. So I trust them. I trust the process with this and we'll see where it goes. You can't go wrong either way and you can add people to the crew. I love the Shotzi idea. I love the Shotzi idea because she got her hair cut by Bailey on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago and right. maybe that's signaling a personality change. I would love to see it because I think the Shotzi can be a very valuable member to a faction and she can kind of find herself like maybe a Julia Hart with House of Black in AEW. Like when she locked into that character, she's in. And I want Shotzi to have a similar experience of you know hitting rock bottom you lose your hair you're trying to find yourself and maybe you align yourself with Judgment Day a crew that can understand you and get you over as a star if Rhea chose to leave the faction you got somebody in Shotzi right there that can be groomed as the next woman up to be a force in the women's division if WWE opts to go in that direction and you know I I kind of want to take your your Bronson Reed pick and add them to my Dabakato because I feel like Finn Balor having those two as a tag team, having those two as a heavy, because Bronson Reed can do all the heavy lifting. You know, Dabakato can just, and whenever Bronson Reed decides he's tired of the shenanigans, he can turn on both of them. And there's a, there's a ready-made feud right there. So I, I just, I love the options with Finn Balor as the lead, as the heavy, as the main guy. I think that's been the one thing that's been missing from Finn Balor in particular as this group and not missing, but just kind of not separating him. This group has really established all of them and raised all of their levels, but Finn Balor being the central piece of a guy of the group, you know, where you have a, you know, two heavies like that working for him. I think that's something that could really be explored and could be the next step of a judgment day. So I just really like what you brought up about Finn Balor's history. And I think that I'm hoping that is what ends up being the end game of all of this. Me too. They got options here and I like that. And Finn, I was preaching and praying for a very long time. Can this guy have his own crew talking about the Balor club? And he was a member of one and he finally got a part of a crew via judgment day last year and has worked wonders in terms of getting him over as a leader, but let's be the leader of this crew of one that can really lead a crew that can take this faction to new heights. And I think it's very possible depending how this breakup plays out in the months to come. Don't rush it. 
take your time and then rebuild it back up. And we already gave you suggestions right here on the wrap. All good ideas of how Finn can upgrade Judgment Day 3.0 to a higher level someday very soon. But I also got to point out one more thing from Monday Night Raw that Scott will not like, but he will love it (laughs) down the road because I talked about this during our Money in the Bank recap show last week. I told you it was going to happen at SummerSlam. I warned you that it was going to be Logan Paul versus Ricochet. I told you it was going to happen. They brawled after the show via WWE social media. They're having a face-to-face confrontation this Monday on Raw. It's happening. Don't be scared. It's going to be all right. Trust me. All I know is that the spot they were supposed to hit at Money in the Bank, do not be surprised if they do that spot at SummerSlam. I'm just saying, I don't know how they get there. If they just decide to do an Undertaker old school by themselves and just walk the ropes, commander style, and then walk into a Spanish fly. But like you called it. You were right. It looks like this is going to be the match we get. And you know what? Let me just say this. Shout out and like people can knock Logan Paul all they want. This dude is having a match with Ricochet and this is not a knock on Ricochet, but any celebrity coming in is going to want to have a match with a, a John Cena with a Roman Reigns with a, a top guy. And this is not, again, not a knock on Ricochet for not being a, a top guy, but Logan Paul wants to have a match with one of the best high flyers in the game because he knows he can, he can fly a little bit. Like I really appreciate Logan Paul's just kind of passion for wrestling, man. Like I, I just, I feel like he gets a bad rep and like just from wrestling fans, because I don't know, man, I, I just don't think he gets the, 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 the do he get, he should get because he doesn't have to do this, but he does this, man. And he's doing it with the guy who's going to push him and going to test him. And they're going to try something absolutely that they don't need to try. And they're probably going to land it this time. <laughs> like they're probably going to knock it out the park and I'm here for it. And Keela, I know you're going to start him out at four at five stars. I'm going to start him out at four. Okay. I'm going to start him out at four. I'm going to play it safe. I know you're going to start him out at five. So as a rap show, we're starting him out at four and a half, okay? We're starting him out at four and a half as a show, okay? Because I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a good match. I'm looking forward to it because I think it's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be bonkers. I don't know what they're going to do. Logan Paul is going to try to pull out like a 630 or something. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm going to push. I got in trouble with five stars with Logan Paul and Seth Rollins. They let me right, down. Right. It was still a good match, but they kind of let me down. He admitted it too. So I respect Logan Paul for letting us know, like, you know what? Mm, expectations for myself were a little short of what I wanted. So I'm going to be decent here. And I'm going to say starting value four and three quarter stars. <laughs> I'm not going to go the four or five, but I do expect a spectacular match. Ricochet, as you said, this is not a knock on Ricochet whatsoever. Logan Paul basically said, I really want to do some really cool flying shit. 
against Ricochet. I want to take flight. I want to do some insane stuff that people haven't seen before. I want to do hops. I want to fly. I want to do crazy, insane shit. And I respect him for that because that's what I want to see. I want to see a balls to the walls, aerial showcase of absolute insanity. And I know Logan Paul right now is looking at some Osprey footage. Some yes. Kingo footage. That's the exact match he's looking at is Ricochet versus Will Ospreay. That is the exact match he's watching. He's looking at that exact match frame for frame. Looking at Will's offense. I'm going to do this here. I'm going to do that there. Can I get the Vikingo tapes too? I'm going to do a little bit of that here. That inverted 450 there. I'm going to do that crazy hook around off the ropes here. Can I get some commander footage too? I want That boy the playing 2K. Spot. He playing 2K and fight forever all at once, just mapping out stuff. Can I get the Ray Phoenix footage too? He just wants to get all the tapes of everybody and just put together one hell of a match. But for sure, Prince Puma and Real Osprey tape on lockdown automatically. I don't doubt that for a second. All right. So as a show, as a show, because I'm still sticking with the four, because I think that's a solid rating, and you're going four and three quarters. So we'll we'll say four and a quarter as a mm-hmm. as a rap show. We'll say four and a quarter. That's fair, and they're clear that I well, do. Believe. I think I think so too. I think so too. Yes, and uh, my condolences to who has to follow that match if it's <sighs> seamless as we expect it to be. Because dear God in heaven, they're going to put on a show. Keila, let me let me say this. Don't if it's seamless, they if it's seamless, they legit have a shot at five stars. Oh. If it's seamless, because they're gonna just cr- they're gonna try ridiculous stuff. So if it's seamless, they have a shot at five stars because Logan Paul is gonna get the reactions that you want. Ricochet is gonna get the reactions that you want. You know because they're gonna do this type of stuff, and that crowd is going to be hot for it, especially the SummerSlam crowd. So. If it's seamless like you're talking about, Keela, you could be talking about a potential, not necessarily, but a potential five-star match just based off of what they tried to do at Money in the Bank. Off of, off yeah. of a botched move. Off of a move they messed up. <laughs> this and is so still pulled off. Right. Like, and, 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 and Logan Paul, like in the interviews you see afterwards, he doesn't look upset. He's just look like, dang, we, we didn't hit it. But you know what? We might try it next time. That, that's kind of that's how it seems to me. He's like, we might try it next time. He's not mad. He's just like, we're gonna get we're gonna get that joint. Don't worry about that. So, yeah, I I, I look forward to it. I think SummerSlam is gonna have a little bit of everything for everybody, and that's that's the beauty of what WWE is producing right now. Yeah, their card is basically finished just about. And I know that there's going to be some more matches added, but I can presume they'll be added maybe the day before SummerSlam on SmackDown just to have those for television because you don't want to overstuff the card. But your prediction of four women's matches is coming true, I do believe. So go WWE. And I... And they just... The only only thing I ask is if you're going to do that... They need to all be at least 10 plus minutes. Just give them 10 plus minutes. You don't have to give them 15, 20. Just give them 10 plus. You know, I think 10 to 15 minutes is a good amount of time, depending on what the match is. If you want to go title match, you can go 10 to 15, 15, 20, depending on the match. But just make sure we're not shortchanging anybody's time. But 
yeah, I, I think, I think it's a, I just love where we've come and we do a lot of the throwback shows where we only get one women's match and it's three minutes and it's a joke. So I love where we come. All the women's matches will mean something. So I, yeah, I, I look forward to what we have going. I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm hoping that what I say is coming to fruition and we don't absolutely, we don't end up getting one, like two of them on a SmackDown instead, instead of a four on a, on a SummerSlam. Exactly. So fingers crossed on that. I think we're looking good, but for WWE to have the card basically done before it happens and, until, and, you know, in terms of graphics and posters and stuff, that's pretty good for WWE. So congrats to them. Hopefully the four matches that we are predicting for the ladies will happen on this card very soon and will not be shuffled to SmackDown the night before. But as always, the card is subject to change and we shall see how it goes in the month to come as we transition now to NXT going down tape this past Tuesday on USA for the 4th of July. And I want to single out NXT Underground, the predecessor to Raw Underground, and there was no Omos guarding the door. <laughs> um, Shane McMahon was not the host. Thank God. The, stri- the strippers stayed at home. I miss our dancers. They had that one good week and they said no more. Do, do you miss them? Do you miss them, <laughs> Keela? Do you, do you miss those strippers? Because let me tell you, I don't miss those strippers because I remember seeing them. And listen, everyone's beautiful in their own right, but they didn't need to be stripping. Am I, just, am I wrong? Listen, Scott, we were in the pandemic. <laughs> Times were tough. The strip Times clubs were, were closed <laughs> and they had to hustle. Okay. They had to make Times a way out of no tough. way. And they got that check for one week and they said, no mas. That's what <laughs> no happened. Mas. I mean, they listen, they oh. um, made the nitro girls look uh-huh. like the pussycat dolls. No question. I w- they were, they were you, rhythmless. If we'd had the pussycat dolls, I'd have been all in. Oh, if we'd gosh. had the pussycat dolls i'd have been all in i love that movie when i was a child let me oh tell my you. god you just oh Mm-mm-mm. you didn't but like yeah. the pussycat dolls it was all right that was all right movie right it was mm, it had fair. the girl from uh what's the what's, what's that movie with freddie prince jr where she comes down and takes her glasses off and all of a sudden she's this bombshell oh rachel lee cook that's it yep that's there right. we go there we that's go right. see or christina ritchie one of the two no, no, no. It I'm wasn't Christina Ritchie. It, it definitely was wasn't Lee Christina Ritchie. Okay. Rich, it definitely Rachel wasn't Cook. Christina Ritchie. I like how you affirmed it wasn't her. <laughs> no, she's Adam's family. <laughs> oh my gosh. You really dating yourself now. Black Snake Moan. Sir, my see, why did my mind almost go there next and you read it? Damn it. We listen, Kilo, listen. We we are co-captains for a reason. <laughs> Garrett put us together for a reason. Okay, this is what I do. That's what you do. You do it all the time to me. I just don't admit it. Okay, I just don't acknowledge <laughs> it like you just did. Wait. <laughs> okay, so what you're basically saying is you been new, but you don't say nothing. Okay. Oh, you be taking half the stuff I be wanting to say, and I'd be like, that God dang it, Keela. <laughs> Great point. I was going to say that. I got to figure something out to say. Something else to say. Look at you hiding the truth after nearly two years of doing this together. See, I already already knew. Like, I was taking good material, and it's happening. We share one brain. No doubt. That's what happens. But (laughs) I knew you was going to bring up Black Snake Moan. I just knew it. I just (laughs) knew where your mind was going to go. Your mind was going to go left very quickly. 
It was either that or Casper. <laughs> it was either Black Snake Bone or Casper. It was one of the two. So the complete range in opposite directions those two <laughs> movies are. By the way. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. Both 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 in their own rights classic, but I would argue that <laughs> Casper is the greater classic. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Casper was that movie back in 95. No Not question. gonna lie. No question. It was old school classic, playing to my youth. Black Snake Moan is another classic in its own right. I'm gonna leave that alone though. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how all of this ties into Raw Underground by way doesn't of NXT all. Underground. It doesn't, doesn't all. whatsoever. There's no correlation to the two. But anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You brought up the strippers. <laughs> you brought up the strippers. So it made me think of Christina Ritchie tied up in a chain with, with Samuel Jackson looking bug-eyed. <laughs> wondering <laughs> what that woman doing out there. Oh, my God. How we got there, I, I simply do not know. <laughs> the destination is unknown. I'm confused, but here we are, still talking about NXT Underground and the strippers. And I just want to, and I just want to be fair and let everyone know that the best crew was Bobby Lashley's women. Now that was a roster, an elite roster. We missed oh. them. Oh, now, now let me tell you, Bobby Lashley. Lashley had the team. Now Lashley had a team. Now, okay, he had Lashley had a six man. Lashley had somebody ready to come off the bench for him. Okay, I ain't seen nobody. I ain't seen nobody with a team with somebody ready to come off the bench. I done seen starting lineups, but I ain't never seen nobody with somebody ready to come off the bench like Bobby Lashley and MVP. Shout out to MVP because he set that up. Let's keep it one hundred. Lashley didn't do that. MVP set that up. But I'm just saying, I, I digress. Listen, that was a starting lineup, an all-star lineup. <laughs> True that, though. Cannot lie. And the girl with the bob, she kept that check until the very end of the Thunderdome era. Yo, she you sure said did. The girl with the bob. She did. She maintained her position until the no end doubt. No of doubt. the pandemic era. She was like, I'm going to get my last check. She got I can't check. go on the road, but she got her checks. I know that's right. She was consistent. And I love that for her, wherever she may be. She was consistent. And I love her for that. But none of this has to do with NXT Underground. Not a thing. Not a thing. But let's get to it right now. This is quite possibly the greatest NXT Underground by way of Raw Underground match ever involving Damon Kemp and Eddie Thorpe. And, you know, the former Carl Fredericks has been eyed on NXT. He's been okay. But this is probably... His best showing to date in Damon Kemp. We know he can go in the ring. But the funny part is Gable Steveson, noted Olympic gold medalist, who is going back to the University of Minnesota for one more year to go for that third championship in the NCAAs, going for another gold medal next year at the Olympics, is going to pretend that Damon Kemp is not his brother and he's going to be the corner man for Eddie Thorpe. And he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, He's going to use his gold medal as motivation. And Booker T's like, what the hell that's going to do for him? Like, that's going to motivate him to do something. (laughs) Booker T in his black tank top. (laughs) Looking looking like he want to step up in the ring or something. Like, bro, you couldn't put a shirt on for the broadcast? (laughs) Being real casual. 
real, real casual talking about how this going to offer some motivation. How this going to help him? Like, oh my God. So Booker's on one without a shirt on, like the visuals. Oh my God. And, and, let, and let's not forget, just randomly a couple of weeks ago, Charmel and the family was there behind him watching the show. <laughs> And then even mention it, like Charmel, the babies, like, are you going to Disney World tomorrow? Like they were just there randomly. So Booker's doing the most. He orders Grubhub for with his chicken parm and he's at his family at the show. He's wearing a tank top being ridiculous. I I listen, I don't I don't know. First come Sean, like Walker, <laughs> bruh. You got Booker T out here on commentary in his black tank top. <laughs> and not just any tank top. He got the old, like, G-unit funny-looking curved <laughs> on the side tank top. Like, he ain't got the white beater. You know what I'm saying? He got the G-unit. I'm a, I'm a G-unit for life gangster, Troy. Like, that's the funny-looking Troy. Like, I... I used to wonder where you even get those. When I was a kid, I saw 50 with that joint. I was like, yo, let me get one of them. I, I couldn't figure out where to get them. Apparently, Booker T bought them all. But I'm just like, <laughs> bruh. <laughs> and Vic Joseph just, he just chilling like nothing's, like there's no problem. Like I'd be, I'd be like, bro, you want my jacket? Like you didn't want to bring those shirts to the broadcast? Like, I don't know, man. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I paid too much attention to the announcers, but I was just wondering why Booker T looked like he just came from a workout and couldn't put no shirt on or nothing. I, I don't know. I'm flabbergasted at this whole thing. I was amazed. Even Vic Joseph like <laughs> asked him, where is your shirt, dude? Right. Like, what is this? What's happening? I got my jacket on. It's Casual Tuesday. This is oh Casual Friday God. for you, Booker. My God, I know we're doing a double taping, but my gosh. He <laughs> <laughs> said, mean, well, let me just take this off. I just Booker T, man, like this. And you know what? But at the same time, this is why I absolutely love Booker T on NXT because he's going to do whatever the hell he wants. I love him for it. Like he just doesn't have a single shit to give. And I respect his game. I truly do. As we do get back to NXT Underground, which was a great match. It really was, was physical bruising, grappling. Damon Camp suplexing Eddie Thorpe on the floor. <laughs> Whew, that, was nice. that was a bump, a nice bump. And then we had some grappling submissions. And eventually, Eddie Thorpe puts Damon Camp to sleep via submission and he wins the match. It's really good. And after the match is over, Gable Stevenson is going to be suplexing dudes like it's nothing and then just popping up not even kipping up just popping up and suplexing popping up and suplexing popping up and suplexing and then a big hoss stands up to him and he just lifts him up and suplexes his ass like it's nothing <laughs> like god damn like okay so he had that one little appearance at wrestlemania over a year ago and it was aight and then he disappears for a year. He comes back and the critique on him was personality, lack of personality, lack of charisma. But I guess he went to the school of charisma because he showed up, he did his shit and he looked good. So dare I say, WWE got a gold mine on their hands with Gable Stevenson because he looked pretty impressive in the setting on, on NXT Underground. I agree. He looked impressive. Wasn't a fan of the way everybody just kind of fed into him. Um, 
until I did like the big guy spot. I think that's a good spot. I think that worked well just because of everything else, but didn't like how everybody just kind of ran into his big hug of a, a belly to back that he had going on there. But I agree. He looked good. Um, I, but it doesn't change the fact and you just brought it up. Are they really going to go and try to act like him and Damon aren't related? Like, I mean, seriously, like you can't do that. Like you can't, you can't insult our intelligence like that. Like, I get your WWE and you think like you can just do whatever you want, but you can't do that. Like you can't do that right in front of my face. Are you serious? Are you really going to sit there and try to tell me that Damon Kemp is not related when they even look, they look alike. They look like brothers. <laughs> it's not like they don't look alike. It's like, come on, man. Just, just, just acknowledge that they're, that, that they're related Say at least just say they're cousins or something, please. Just acknowledge the relationship, man, because you're pissing me off. Okay, if we're just if we're being honest, I'm about to be pissed off, Scott, because I just I I thought I I kind of just let that go, but you brought it back up, and they did do that. They really tried to play it off, like these two are just like like they just happen to pass each other in the street, and they're not related. Like they don't have this, like they don't go to the same Thanksgiving dinner. Like they don't go, like they don't have the same family reunion t-shirts at the end of the night. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is pissing me off. Well, prepare to be pissed. Here we go. They even had a little stare down on Tuesday. Listen. And they tried to sell it as, I don't know you. Do I know you? I think I know you. Like, stop playing with us. WWE, their brothers, and Scott, for some strange reason, I don't know when you said their brothers that the Wayan Brothers theme song popped in my head. The what brothers? The Wayans Brothers theme song Yo. popped in my head. <laughs> they're gonna have they're gonna have they're gonna have another NXT Underground's match with them too, and that's gonna be the that's gonna be uh, Gable Stevens's intro music. It's gonna be that song. <laughs> It's the Wayne Brothers. <laughs> Listen, man, this is ridiculous. You can't do that. You can't do that. Like, come on. Like, Sean Walker. You like, bro. Come on, man. I you know what? I, I don't know what's planned. What's the next topic? But this is pissing me off because they're really <laughs> trying to insult my intelligence and make me think that these two aren't brothers when I could just look on my phone and type in who's his brother and who Damon Kemp is. Like, bro, come on, man. Don't do me like that. Hopefully, WWE will let the people in on the joke eventually because if they don't, and if you suggest... What I think you're suggesting, which is Kemp versus Stevenson in NXT Underground 2, and they don't acknowledge that they're brothers. Oh, my God. I will flip tables on this here show. That's all I'm going to say. Like, they can't be this obtuse, but this is WWE. This is, Wa- this is Walker HBK. Anything is possible. Anything. <sighs> Praying now, yo, I, come on, I just just don't do that, man. I just don't do that. We will see. I'm not optimistic, but we'll see about it. And Scott's like, I don't even know what the next topic is, but I hate it here. <laughs> yeah, this sucks, man. <laughs> like, like, 
I mean, like, you can't do that with relatives, man. Especially two who look alike. <laughs> like, they look alike. <laughs> I'm done with this. Oh, I know, I know. I'm, this is why he's salty, ladies and gentlemen. He was easing into it a little bit. He was having fun. Next thing you know, this is where the salt lies right here regarding brothers who are not brothers, even though they're brothers. That is where we are right now. And hopefully WWE fix it, but we'll see about it. As we do move on to the next topic that Scott doesn't care about, but we're going to get to it anyway, because <laughs> that's what we do here on this show. So we did have a loser leaves NXT match via the Dyad versus the Creed Brothers. And we do know the Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed have requested a release from WWE. It has been denied and they're going to stick to their contract to at least October so a few more months to go, and we were presumed they're definitely losing this match. But Walker HBK says, hold my beer. I got something for you. And what happened was the Creed brothers went out there, had a hell of a showcase. Brutus Creed. Brother Brutus. Oh, my goodness. So um, Brother Brutus said, bet... And I am going to do a springboard. Oh my God. 450 off the top. Say it with your full chest. To a diet member. Let me say it again. He said, bet. Let me do casually a springboard 450 with the greatest of ease on a diet. And I said to myself, Brutus Creed, you are insane. Where did that come from? Both Creed brothers are freaks. <laughs> Officially. I thought Julius, my guy, Cheddar Biscuits all day, was a lead freak. Nope. Brutus says, I got this too. So he's doing 450s now. Like, what in the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> These Creed brothers, I swear, oh. keep them together for like the next two to three years. I need them to go on a run, a prolific championship run as tag team champs. I need it in my life. But they did what they needed to do. And unfortunately, we had a random diet member who looked awfully similar to Joe Gacy in terms of build. He uh, came out there and he headbutted Jules. And uh, surprisingly enough, the diet beat the Creed's. And now the Creed brothers must leave NXT, quote unquote. I think it's a storyline. I don't think they're leaving yet. But great match. Best, best match from NXT this past Tuesday outside of NXT Underground with Thorpe and Kemp. But I'm still stuck on Brutus Creed doing a fucking 450 off the top springboard style as if it was nothing freaks i um so i i saw i saw it i didn't believe it i had to rewind it um <laughs> this man this man i i i wonder like at, at the performance center like what they doing down there they got brutus creed down here doing <laughs> springboard 450s what that's incredible for a guy his size. And so so part of me is kind of like, 
You really just did that in a match you lost, though. Like, you shouldn't be pulling out a springboard 450 in a match you're going to lose. You got to... There's no reason somebody should be kicking out of you, of you, Brutus. You, of all people, doing a springboard 450. That's my only gripe with this match and kind of with the Creed brothers, the last kind of portion of their run is I feel like they're in real 2K mode where they're like, <laughs> let's just see what the hell we can do. I mean, Julius already from the jump was just doing just ridiculous type stuff. So now he's at the point where he's like, I'm going to just belly to back for 20 straight minutes. I'm going to just catch everyone and I'm belly to back in you. Kip up, belly to back in you, kip up, belly to back in you, kip up. And Brutus was like, word, watch this. I'm a springboard 450 into this guy. What are you going to do? Because we're going to see Julius hit a couple shooting star presses. I'm just like, we done seen him hit a springboard onto a ladder, I'm pretty sure. If I remember correctly, when he's like, I don't, I don't know, man. Listen. These guys are some of the most crazy athletes I've ever seen. Like they, they remind, they just remind me so much of Shelton. I can't remember another guy who would just do stuff on a weekly basis where I would be like, "How the hell did you do that?" and make it seem so easy. Except for Shelton Benjamin, he would do things on a week like. He would do the jump to the top rope where you would catch him and do a suplex. I had never seen nobody do that. He would do the, you catch him with a kick, he would turn, and then he would hit you with a heel cook, heel kick. I never seen nobody do that. He would do an arm drag and then jump to the top rope, both legs, and then flip off and then hit you with an arm drag. Never seen nobody do that. Like, they're doing stuff like that, especially for their size. So it is incredible to see, but it does get to a point where it's like, you don't have to do everything you see in the video game. Cause that's just, especially when you're not winning the match, you know what I mean? And maybe that's just me nitpicking. Maybe that's just me nitpicking and I need to just shut my mouth and enjoy what I'm seeing. But it's just like, bruh, you don't win with a springboard 450 though. Come on, man. Hey, you're not wrong because they lost and that hurt my soul. Like that forfeit that don't mean nothing in hindsight. We got Jules doing shooting star presses. Like it's nothing. Like it's casual for them to do this crazy shit. Like it's just Tuesday night for them. And it's just work. And I love that. I love the creeds so much. I adore them, protect them at all costs. I swear they got shot up with Shelton Benjamin's DNA. They did. They got that gold standard flowing through their veins because they ain't no way. They too swag, too swag to be doing this. But they're going to be all right. They're going to stick around a little while longer on NXT as they should. They'll move right on up and they will be a premier tag team in WWE. And both brothers, I can assure you, are going to make it. They're going to make it on the main roster. I see it for Jules, obviously. But Brutus had something to say. He said, brother, hold my protein shake. I got a 450 for you. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna tell you, I didn't see it coming. I, I didn't know what. I thought he would maybe jump to the top rope and then do like his old cannonball or something like. That's what I was expecting him to do. When he, when he springboards to the top rope, <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe he's gonna do a crossbody or a big splash. That's cool. He started flipping in there, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I, I just he just caught me off guard man let me tell you there is a little bit of a different uh, clearly but you can tell by the numbers there's a different audience that's watching the nxt and the monday night raw he's not gonna do that but when he does just he, he's not gonna do that okay let's just let's throw that in. he's not doing no springboard 450s on monday night raw anytime soon but when he does something just super athletic the crowd is just going to react really well to both of them. Just when the, even when Julius does his belly to back skip ups, they're going to react really well to that because they're just so athletic and they're big guys. That I, I, I think I agree with you, Keila. I think they're going to get over very easily and very quickly. Yeah, I sense that too. And yeah, you're not going to see a 450 on Monday Night no, Raw unless no. it's a championship match or it's at a PLE. And he better win. Any better he, win. He better not do no <laughs> springboard 450 on Raw and lose the match. I would cry if he did it again and they lose. Like, no, stop it. But yeah, they have to kind of curtail what they're good at and save it for the big moments because that's going to make them so much more over on the roster when the time calls for it. But like I said, for the moment I laid my eyes on the Creed brothers nearly two years ago, I fell in love because... They're insane. And here are the exhibits as to why I love them because they're insane. I love them so. I truly do. As we segue now to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live from the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden in New York City. And this was the Bloodline Succession show as we had a 35-minute segment involving the bloodline recapping money in the bank from this past Saturday to the trial of the tribal chief Roman Reigns. Now this trial, Scott was a little bit on the cheap side. We had no table. We had no chairs for Sammy Zayn's trial. We had all the accoutrements for Roman. You just had the ring. The Usos came out. Paul Heyman came out. Solo came out and Solo basically told Paul Hush, I want to hear what my brother's got to say. Then Roman comes out. We go to commercial to milk that rating some more. We come back and Roman's like, who gave you the authority to call a trial on me? I didn't authorize this. You can't put me on trial. How dare you? This isn't happening right now. But the Uso says bet. And they toss to one exhibit, exhibit A, of all the times Roman Reigns abuses power against his cousins, berating them, gaslighting them, exerting his power around to say, I am that guy. You must bow down, kiss the ring and do whatever I say at all times. And Roman is going to flip the footage on them saying, I didn't want to be this way. I didn't want to do those things, but I had no choice. It's my responsibility as a tribal chief to carry all of us along on this journey. I got five kids. I'm taking care of yours and mine at the same time. 
and I got to do what I got to do for the family. I got to set an example. I got to set the tone and it might come off harsh, but that's what I got to do. And we got Jay looking guilty. Like, oh my God, we put so much pressure on him. I, I kind of feel bad about it. And Roman just gaslighting his ass off saying that I've been doing this for us for three years. It's not about me. It's about the family. It's about, you know, making sure that we're thriving and surviving for generations to come. And my daughter looking at me sideways, wondering what's happening. But he says, well, if you want it so badly, Jay, if you want to be the tribal chief so desperately, you can have it. I don't want this. I don't want this anymore. I'm tired. So Roman is going to take off his lay, present the lay to Jay, go take off the belt. I knew then he was full of shit. Take off the belt. Really the thing he treasures most beside the other two belts he can't let go of. Then he gets down on both knees. He's ready to bow down and acknowledge Jey Uso as his tribal chief. But if you pay attention to kicks, if you pay close attention to the kicks, the Nikes, the heel was all the way up. Symbolic, was it? So Roman, (laughs) (laughs) the symbolism of that heel just pointed up, curled up, had a nice arch. Tore them, tore them J's all up. Tore them Nikes all up. <laughs> he said, I got 20 more of them mugs. This ain't nothing for me. I got more in the closet. I can bend these up. But I'm going to put this heel up with the arch all the way up. Point them up, heel, turn. And he's going to low blow J. And it's a moment. And Jimmy's shocked. He goes after Roman, but he's quickly swarmed over by Solo Sokoa. It's a beat down by Roman and Solo to Jimmy and Jay. They're trying to fight back. And then we have Solo tied Jay against the ropes and Roman lets him watch as he destroys his cousin, Jimmy. Still, still steps shots repeatedly, slams into him, still steps, beats his ass, hits him repeatedly with the championship belt over and over and over and over and over again as Jay looks on. And then Jay tries to fight back to no avail. He gets beat down by Solo and Roman. And then we have Solo on the top of the barricade. We have Jimmy on the desk on the announce table. And to call back to what Solo could not do at Money in the Bank, Solo is going to splash Jimmy through that announce table. Jay is covered with some chairs by his brother, buried by Roman. And we have Roman Reigns. In that moment, reassert his power as the tribal chief, the lay, the championship. He stands tall. He reasserts his power in this moment. But a couple of things stood out to me. The first was that when Roman low below Jay and the lay went down, Solo looks at the lay, picks it up, looks at Jay, looks at Roman. Here's the crowd. They chant, put it on. And he's contemplating this. So I love this thread of Solo, despite being loyal to Roman, still thinking about the long game here, because we cannot forget one key thing. Roman Reigns never called Solo up. The elders did. So that might be his future down the road. He's loyal right now, but he's thinking long-term. I could be the tribal chief one day very soon. And I love that piece of business throughout the show of where the Solo's true loyalties lie. And the other part was Jay selling this beat down beautifully, Jimmy getting his ass beat and Roman just being great. This guy, once again, produced legit tears on the spot 
to sell the emotional weight of this moment, even though he was full of bullshit. And I love that for Roman Reigns. His talent to cry on command is very Denzel Washington-esque, I must say. But all in all, great segment. It went a little bit too long for me because I felt like there were some cuss words being bleeped on Fox. Can't cuss on network television. They drag things a bit. But otherwise... Another great piece of business in this bloodline storyline, which is the best thing in WWE by a lot these days. And it will go down as one of the best stories WWE ever told. So I agree with you. This is definitely one of the best stories WWE has ever told. I'm going to tell you what I won't do, though. Won't be putting Roman Reigns and Denzel Washington in the same sentence. I'm going to tell you that. (laughs) Okay. Let me me tell you that. (laughs) Okay. I said same, tears, no not despianism. And you know what? That same tear that came down his face in glory is in, <laughs> is in a completely different category than that tear that came down his face on SmackDown. Okay, let me tell you that. All right, he can get a Ving. He can get a Ving Rames. He can get one. He can oh get my him. God. Okay, but Denzel, nah. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't give him Denzel. <laughs> Not Ving Rhames. You're trying it now. No, you know what? He can, he can get the Wesley Snipes when he's holding yes, the yes, camera. Yes, he can get that. No, he get the no New question. Jack City tears. Yes. No question. Right before he pulls the trigger. I will allow yes. that. Yes. He can get that. But you know what? Him and Glory. They ain't in the same conversation, okay? (laughs) Those tears are different, okay? There are levels to these tears. No, but I I, I completely agree with you. I think this is top tier. Uh, Roman Reigns has been fantastic through all this. And the people that say that the the title doesn't mean anything in this story. Like, let's... Roman Reigns is going to be Jey Uso for this title. But that's... When he's defending this title, all of this is going on. Like this is stuff that a champion has to deal with. All of this family drama. So now he has to deal with all of this on top of being this undisputed world champion. So I I actually like the story of him having to deal with all of this family drama on top of being the number one guy in WWE. Like he acknowledges who he is. He tells everyone else to acknowledge who he is. But now on top of that, he has to deal with all this family drama. So I like the added layers of him being a champion. And, you know, I'm still on the fact that maybe Cody should have won. But since we're here in the moment, I'm okay with the story of he's still a champion and he has to worry about that on top of worrying about taking care and dealing with this family drama he has going on. Yeah, you know how I feel about Cody losing at WrestleMania. It hurts my soul still. But listen, numbers don't lie. Ticket sales don't lie. And in hindsight, this was meant to be. This is a story that needs to be told right now. And Roman had to lose at some point. Let it be to his cousin, Jay, which made total sense for the storyline. He won't win the championship, but he got that first victory over his cousin, that first pinfall the Romans suffered in over three years in WWE, going on four. So for that, I'm cool with it, 100%. Be telling a story for next year's WrestleMania because I want Cody back in that championship chase because it'll mean a bit more when the time calls for it. But I can't argue facts. 
And the facts are, since WrestleMania, WWE has been red hot in terms of ticket sales and television ratings. And on SmackDown in particular, this angle is a legitimate ratings draw, drawing nearly a million viewers or more in the key 18 to 49 demographic, pulling nearly 3 million viewers, their segments. This is where it's at. And I'm not mad at it. And I think that is how you tell a story that has many ebbs and flows, many chapters from the bloodline OG to the Sami Zayn and KO portions to where we are right now to eventually circling back to Cody Rhodes and his own prophecy of what happened right after WrestleMania. I lost, but you still lost everything, Roman, except those belts. You lost your family. And I'm coming for what you treasure most, which which are those belts when the time calls for it. But I'm just happy where we are right now. This is where WWE is at a sweet spot with this storyline and Jey Uso being main event, Jey Uso and calling his shot against Roman Reigns, which we'll get to towards the end of SmackDown. But let's quickly get to the Grayson Waller effect involving Edge and Grayson Waller as a special guest. And Grayson Waller is basically saying, hey, Edge, welcome to retirement. That's your announcement. And Edge says, no, I'm not retiring. In fact, I have a match tonight against you which was set for later in the show. And the match was pretty good. Grayson Waller's match back on SmackDown. First match back in the ring since his final match on NXT against Carmelo Hayes for the championship a couple of months ago when he broke his leg. But that was an injury. But he's back. And he looked good against Edge. He looked impressive. Hit his spots. He took a nasty powerbomb on the floor. And Edge was able to counter the rolling Cutter into a spear for the win, and he told Grayson Waller, "Hey, in terms of you sinking, in terms of sinking or swimming, you swam, kid. Congratulations." Yeah, he also established that Grayson Waller has probably the dumbest finisher in WWE, but that's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole another subject. This dude literally has to run out the ring to jump into the ring to go hit his finisher. It's like, bro, you gotta. You gotta, you gotta figure something else out. You gotta get another move. But uh, yeah, the match was good. I think it bodes well for Grayson Waller that he's been holding these Waller effects with nothing but top tier talent. So um, I look forward to seeing what the future holds for him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him being one of the first challengers whenever a babyface takes the title off Austin Theory. I can see Grayson Waller being one of those first challengers for the belt off of a a Waller effect type of talk show type beatdown. So I look I look forward to Grayson Waller being a mainstay in that mid card, upper mid card area for a couple years here. Yeah. He'll be a better Miz. Yes, I went there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Hold on. Hold on. Take it easy. Take it easy. Miz got a good promo this week now. Take it easy. You want a cookie for that? <laughs> You want a cookie or two for that? Oh, snap. No, I'm straight. I'm straight. I got a couple cookies, but no, touche. Touche. You're right. Mm-hmm. That's just, He's doing his job. Touche. You're right. He should be doing that. Touche. Mm-hmm. Trying to get your guy over. He's going to lose on Monday, by the way. And we'll cover it next week right here on The Wrap. <sighs> Can't wait to do it. <laughs> Trying to put your guy over. He ain't won a match all year. <laughs> Probably Jesus not going Christ. to. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jeez. Man, he ain't won a match all year. Oh, God. Oh, man. I almost feel bad for him. 
almost, but here you are trying to hype him up. He cut a good promo on Monday and he going to lose on Monday. And, and we're talking about it right here on the wrap. And <laughs> you're going to get a, you people, you're going to get a lot of love for the, for that right there. People are like, yes, right. Keela, shut him down. <laughs> shut him down. We don't allow that. People going to love that. So yeah, good, good call. No, you're right. Touche. You are absolutely right. No, no, no participation trophies out here. No, even though I do have the Ms. Participation Certificate saved on my phone still. At least you tried. And I'm giving that to you. You tried today with that. Trying to put your guy over the attempts. My gosh. You Ms. Lifer. Just can't shake him, can you? (laughs) I mean, come on. That's my guy, man. That's my guy. I respect it. I respect it. As we transition now to the main event angle, we're going to go back to the Usos ever so briefly. Jay returns to the building to confront his cousin, Roman Reigns. And he does get his lick back and he goes after his brother, Solo Sokoa, like Cain and Abel. He beats him with that steel chair repeatedly and he grabs the championship belt that Roman leaves behind. And he says, we're going to settle this. You know, forget the families, you and me. It's one-on-one, SummerSlam, what you say about it, because I want to whoop your ass one more time. And Roman looked shook. And that's how SmackDown ended. So this was a very bloodline-heavy show, but I enjoyed it. And Jay stood tall, and he just looks like a superstar on every level. Main event, Jay Uso just being in the moment. And I would love to see... Roman versus Jay for that championship at SummerSlam and it's full circle. It really is. So, hey, I'm all in. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think Jay Uso, I mean, we, we've seen this before. We saw it during the pandemic and now we see it with a crowd, with people to get behind him. So I think he's fully established himself as a, a valuable challenger. Um, I so Keila, tell me if I'm being paranoid here. Um, but if this was Vince McMahon, I would 100% be fully expecting Jimmy Uso to come back and turn on Jay Uso in the main event of SummerSlam. Do I need to be concerned about that when it comes to Triple H? Well, when it comes to Triple H and Vince McMahon giving his little his. His also feedback because let's let's keep it one hundred. He's giving his his feedback. It's, I don't know whether it's being taken or not, but he's one hundred percent giving his take. Do we need to be concerned about Jimmy Uso turning? Because I think that would be the worst possible thing you can do when you've established the Usos as the best thing in WWE. They've beaten your number one guy, so the Usos right now are established as the number one entity in WWE as far as we we are the number one team that cannot be beat. I would argue they, they're next in line for a title, a tag title shot after they get through SummerSlam. So do we need to be worried about a just kind of really dumb decision to have Jimmy Uso turn on Jay? Oh, you brought it up and now I'm a little afraid because all I could think about is an angle from nine years ago involving siblings specifically the bellas right right because nikki 
<laughs> was taking licks every week from Stephanie McMahon and Brie was out of the company and storyline and she had to fight to get her job back and she had a match against Stephanie and then ultimately Nikki turned on her sister and yeah that happened and it was not good storyline for either one of them long term they eventually reunited but yeah that is my fear too when you think about it the constant beatdowns and Jimmy obviously being a wee bit jealous of Jay that has been noted publicly on a live microphone that he felt as if, mm, are you truly ready for this? I don't think you are. He doubted him in this position as, as being main Avenger Uso. So I don't want this to happen, but it's very possible. And then the next thing that has popped in my head is if that happens, if Jimmy turns on his brother out of spite, jealousy, and pettiness, the next thing you can do would actually have Jay lean on his new brothers, Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens. Huh. That's that's an interesting idea because Sammy's never really given up on Jay. That's kind of always been a thread where Sammy's always been like, yo, when you're ready to let this this kind of dead weight to you really let go. Like so that's that's an interesting premise, and I I kind of hope Sammy is still around whenever we get to that match, and Sammy does kind of go and be like, "Yo, go kick his ass" or something like that. You know, like I I would appreciate Sammy giving him that bit of advice when it's really Jay. They've kind of been at odds, but then again, Sammy's always been like, "Yo, Jay, go take command." So I think that's a really good call right there when it comes to Sammy Zayn. Yeah, and they haven't had any interaction since Jay flipped on. Roman so I think they're saving that for something down the road having that conversation but if Jimmy does in fact turn on Jay which we fear if you want to do some more matches there you go Jay finds a new family and you know him and Sammy are close they can reunite they can hug it out and they can take on Roman and Solo and Jimmy I hate to say it but it's very possible because sibling rivalries it's been teased in WWE and that could very well happen imminently because you have to balance the scale somehow within the bloodline. And that might be a way to do it, even though I don't want this to happen, but knowing WWE it is a possibility, especially when Jimmy voiced those very true feelings out loud on the microphone a few weeks ago before they turned on Roman. Yeah. And that's, and that's really just me worried about the Vince McMahon effect coming into play. You know, I, excuse me, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I just, I can't rule it out because I've, I've seen what kind of storylines come out of stuff like this. And I, it just in the back of my head, I worry about Jimmy Uso coming into the ring and, you know, giving a super kick to Solo and he's got Roman over here in the corner. He's got Jay over here. And instead of turning on Roman, he kicks Jay in the face and, you know, then the next week he's like, all that stuff Roman said about how you didn't need me. Well, let's find out if you didn't really need me. You know, I, let's see if I'm really that dead weight, you know, something dumb like that. So that just kind of weighs in the back of my mind. And that's just me being a WWE fan because I've seen them manipulate the feelings and really just do stupid stuff. So um, that could be me being a little bit paranoid. I don't think they'll do that. I just... In the back of my mind, I'm like, holy hell, there's that possibility. It is. I don't trust Vince. Stay the hell away from SummerSlam. Stay off the Zoom call. Don't change your mind. 
go away, go on your yacht, enjoy your summer vacation, stay away for the love of God. But we'll see. We got the money in the bank. So we'll see how we go at SummerSlam regarding how this match ends for Jay. We know it's going to end in an L, but how will it end in an L? We shall see. As that is basically the week that was for WWE, a pretty fun jam-packed week across Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. So Scott, as you wrap up the show, based on all that you've seen across all of the WWE shows, even main event, maybe NXT level up as well, what was the best match you saw from WWE television this week? Now, I didn't get to see everything that happened this week on WWE, but I actually did check out something that most people probably didn't watch. I did actually check out main event. Uh, Don't ask me why I clicked on it. I was on Hulu (laughs) uh, looking at the American Gladiators special that was on there, and I saw main event had a new episode, so I just clicked on to see what was on there. And J.D. McDonough has been a regular on there the last couple weeks, and he had a match with Apollo Crews from last week. And I checked that out, and that was actually a really good match. So um, I, I'm actually going to say, go ahead and check out WD Main Event. JD McDonough has been on there. He was he checked on Apollo Cruz last week. He took on Akira Tozawa this week. Uh, check those two matches out. I'm I'm a big fan of JD. I've been a big fan of his since NXT. So um, check that out. I, I really look forward to him coming on the main roster and just exhibiting kind of his different style to that to that audience. So JD McDonough Main Event either one of those two matches. All right. Good picks. I heard good things about that match. I think somebody hyped it up on social media. It might've been Samantha Irvin that talked about some main event stuff going down on the social medias. So good for JD. Hoping to see him on the main roster once again, very soon tearing it up on Monday night raw and off of main event, but it's always a good building ground to get you warmed up for better matches down the road. As for me, the best match I saw this week, I talked about earlier on the show, it was Natalia versus Rhea Ripley for the Women's World Championship. Natty's best match ever, maybe. Just a physical, bruising match. And Rhea was there for every moment as well. And she took her licks and she sewed her ass off. And she also delivered shots to Natty as well. And I just thought this was a great showcase for both ladies. And, hey, highest rated quarter of the show because it ruled. And, I mean... Shout out to the ladies. I mean, what, what what else can you say except Rhea Ripley is over, and even against Natalia, who is notorious for losing. Like, let's just keep it with a hundred. They were able to keep that high rating, so I think that just goes to the quality of the match to the women that were in it, and just that I and I hope I'm right about this. And you brought it up. I hope we do get three to four SummerSlam matches of just the women. I, I think we have that potential, and we should get that. We should, fingers crossed, could be Shayna Baszler versus Ronda Rousey. We most likely have Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus, who brought back the face mask, who I know very much. <laughs> love it, love it. I love her. I love her. And her, her line of Baltimore-less. Not Baltimore. Let's leave Baltimore-less. I love <laughs> Trish Stratus. I love her. Oh, to the ends of the earth. I adore her. I appreciate this one greatly. Then we have most likely Charlotte Flair, Asuka, and Bianca Belair for the women's championship from the SmackDown side of things. And the fourth match could be maybe some tag team titles on the line, potentially, hopefully, maybe. So we'll see about it. But yes, four matches on lockdown, potentially for the ladies at SummerSlam. 
I mean, actually, I didn't even think about a tag title match. I was honestly thinking about like a Bailey versus EO Sky or something like that. But you throw a tag title match in there, we could have, I could easily see them doing like a, a three way with um, the Coven. Ra- Raquel and Liv <laughs> and, and Casey and Jojo. So I could absolutely <laughs> see a three-way right there for the women's tag titles. Shayna Ronda. We got the two women's title matches. Hey, we, I don't know if that's ever happened in WWE history and it probably won't happen, but has there ever been a pay-per-view where the women have more matches than the men in any, in any company besides a women dominant company? This never happened. It's never happened. And WWE has an opportunity. I don't know if they will, but they have an opportunity. They do. And they should seize it, go with it, and just say, hey, let's showcase our women's division. And the best part is we don't have to surround these championship matches. We, we don't have to surround these fees around championship matches, which is good. So that's growth by WWE. And I'm hoping that's the case because, you know, I want to see it. We want to see it. It's long overdue, and I'm all for it. Give us the four matches. And EO and Bailey is also possible if they do break up damage control. And EO is going to be so over as a baby face whenever she cashes in that briefcase. So I love all of the possibilities. So let's go, ladies. Let's go. As we put a bow on this week's wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network, I want to thank my co-captain, Softy Scott Young, for joining me today to recap all things WWE. Thank you, Keela. And uh, I, I also want to make sure anyone who listens to the rap, go and, and, and bother JD and ask him what he thought about <laughs> WWE this week. Okay? I want you to go and go and hit him up. Go ahead and ask him what he thought about WWE. Ask him if he's looking forward to next week since he'll be watching NXT. This is what happens when you make bets against the salty one, Scott. Okay, you don't bet against me. This is what happens. And I've already been asked by Mike Gilbert to make another bet to make him watch Money in the Bank. It's apparent or not Money in the Bank, but uh, to watch uh, Payback, I believe, which is coming after SummerSlam. But uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later on. But yeah, go hit JD up. Ask him what he thought about WWE and if he's looking forward to it next week. Um, I, I rub it in a little bit and tell him that Scott from the rap sent you. Wow. That is a hell of a closer. And JD, my friend, there's an open spot for you right here on the wrap to recap Please what come you on. saw from NXT. Please come Please. on. Let us know what you thought. Um, you know, I, I I saved you a week of NXT. You know, I didn't even make you watch this week. So, you know, enjoy enjoy the week off because NXT is coming for you next week. And who know, who knows what Walker's got in store for you? Yeah, because, see, we were generous this week because it was taped and tape shows are better. So right. when it's live, it's a crapshoot. So we just want you to experience it as we do because we never know what we're going to get on a live NXT with Walker HBK in charge. But we want JD here with a full report of what he saw and if he survived. Oh, he's going to survive. I just want to know if he actually wants to talk about it after he survives. Oh, he's got to talk about it. <laughs> we must make this happen. Uh, but yeah, Keela, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. The The road to SummerSlam is here. 
Uh, we didn't even talk about Cody Rhodes. And that just goes to show you there's just a ton going on with WWE. They have a lot of great storylines going on. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, seeing what we got going on next week. Yeah, should be a fun show. We will go back to Rose Conda next Monday. We'll return home to our land and and <laughs> we'll return our, to our land. <laughs> <laughs> our home away from home. No you doubt. know, sometimes Rose Conda's got to go through some renovations. We'll be back there next week. Pay a trip. Uh, we love Cody here on this show. Very popular. And we're going to get back into his world of facing Brock Lesnar in a step match, a SummerSlam. I can't wait to see what that's going to be very soon. But we'll be back next Monday right here on the Fighting Media Network talking about another week that was in WWE across Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and so much more. So for myself and for Salty Scott Young, that is a wrap for all things WWE. Take care. Uh, bye-bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.